Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I have Amanda Dolan here today. She is a podcast host of a podcast called Mental... What was it? I wrote it down. The Mental Mental Society. Mental Society. The Mental Society where mental health and society meet. And she has gone through a whole healing journey, um, been diagnosed with a mental illness, and she's here on the show to share that journey with us. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Well, thank you so much for having me. And um, so I guess what I'll do is I'm just going to jump right in to kind of the beginning. Um, You know, I grew up in what I think most people would call like the the normal American household. You know, my parent, both parents worked. I went to a great school. I had a younger sister, right? Like, lived in a beautiful home, Um, but things weren't really happy inside the home. Was that like outside everything looked great? Um, But my mom really struggled with her mental health, and um, and one of the things that I remember was my mom never showed much affection to my sister or myself. And that really, I don't know, felt icky growing up. Like I just, I wanted my mom to love me and to, you know, be around. Um, And she worked a lot of hours. She was in um, like in the corporate world and in IT as a woman in the eighties and nineties in Kentucky. So she was, a woman in the South working in computers. And so she felt like she had to work extra hard. So she wasn't home a lot. And then she was depressed. So when she was home, there was lots of time in bed, crying, not really present. And then um, when I was 12, um, my father was diagnosed with cancer. And it's kind of a wild there's lots of like the universe lining things up just right in my life. So my grandfather died and because my grandfather, which was my mom's dad died, my father took my mom's eye doctor appointment that, and he was supposed to have one several weeks later. And when he went to that eye doctor appointment, they said something's wrong. And he was admitted to the hospital found out he had um, a bone marrow cancer. And the reality is, is he was so sick that if they hadn't found it when they did, he probably would have died within a week um, due to a stroke because of what was going on in his blood. So had my grandfather not died, my father would have never been diagnosed with cancer, which is kind of a wild thing when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually tomorrow, this is wild. Tomorrow would be um, 31 years since he was diagnosed. Um, and 
during that time, you know, as a teenager being the child of a mother who was working a lot and mentally ill, and then a father who was physically very ill, I didn't feel like I had, you know, much connection with my family. Um, and during that time, I started going to therapy because my parents were very big into, you know, you've got to take care of yourself. Um, and, you know, the thing is, though, that that um, didn't give me what I needed because I, I knew something was wrong. I did therapy, finally asked my parents if I could go see a psychiatrist because I just knew that I was sick. Um, and at 15, I went and saw my first psychiatrist. And this psychiatrist told me, you know what I mean? Like you just, you have this like low level depression and there's really nothing we can do to treat it. So you're just going to have to deal with it. So here I am 15 and like, I, I just have to deal with this icky, like I don't want to do anything feeling. And I went to college and I I saw another psychiatrist and same, similar diagnosis, gave me medication. It worked for a very short period of time and it didn't. And so I just done, I don't want to like, I give up. And then um, I went to grad school and I to get my master's in psychology, which looking back at it, it makes sense. Like I wanted to know what was going on in my brain and with my mom. And um, when I'm in grad school, I... You know, I, I think anyone that has, well, I mean, we all, right? Dr. Google, right? Like we try to figure out what's wrong with us. And so I'm like, okay, well, I've got depression and anxiety, but I don't know why these medications aren't working. So I went and saw another psychiatrist. So now we're on like psychiatrist number three. I'm in my, my early twenties, same basic diagnosis different medication, same thing, works for a little while, stops working. Then I have my my kids, I have postpartum depression. Again, you know, and I think at the, at the beginning when my kids were born, it was true depression. But I remember with my daughter, um, who's my oldest, I was having, you know, when my kids were born, I was like, I babysat and I took care of all these other kids. So this is going to be like easy. Well, I had a C-section and that was really rough on my body with my daughter. And, um, and then she was, I don't know, three or four weeks old and she would not stop crying. I'd fed her. I'd changed her, burped her. I was holding her. And I got so frustrated that I remember grabbing a handful of cotton balls and just throwing them as hard as I could at her. Cause I needed to get that anger or whatever out. And then I called my ex-husband. I was like, I need you to come home because I'm afraid I'm going to hurt our child. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I went back and got some help. Um, and that worked for a while. And then I got pregnant with my son and I had to get off that medication. Um, but still always a diagnosis of depression. And so I just want to jump in like mm -hmm. it's interesting because my first daughter was also emergency c-section and um, she had colic did did your daughter have colic yes okay I didn't know that so, at the time but yeah like in that moment a pediatrician and clueless I'm saying she's crying I can't sleep 
they're like, oh, you just need to take a, a bath and have a glass of wine. And I was like, no one ever said the word colic. And then later I was like, oh my God, she had colic because she wouldn't stop crying. But the only difference is you threw cotton balls at her, which obviously didn't hurt her. But I, I just ended up crying like with her because she wouldn't stop crying. And I would call my husband at 3 p.m. at work. And I said, you need to come home right now. I have reached my limit. I don't know why she won't stop crying. And I didn't want to leave her. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Oh, I it was and so I think... horrible. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. You need to come and get her and just take over. <laughs> I think as moms, there's so much like of that guilt of like, well, this is what I was made in quotation marks yeah. to do, right? Like this is, you know, we're women, we're supposed to have kids. We're supposed to be these amazing mothers and, but no one teaches you how to do it. And I think, you know, if you think about 500 years ago, when women had children, they were surrounded by other women and family and help. And we don't have that now. We're so isolated as new mm -hmm. moms. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, it's a huge struggle for me because I was home. I, I quit my corporate job um, to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was happy that I was had the ability and the luxury, if you will, of doing that. But I also felt like at that time I lost my identity, right? Like I was no longer Amanda. I was Emily and Jacob's mom and Richard's wife. Mm -hmm. And so I was no longer me. Um, and I think that that definitely played into like my mental health because I wasn't sure who I was anymore, separate of my family. And um, something I really struggled with. And I went back um, when my kids started, when my youngest started kindergarten, I went back to school or not to school, to work part-time. He was in school. My daughter was in school. Um, and I, I liked that because it gave me a little bit more of an identity um, again. And even though, I mean, I was an office manager, it wasn't hard work. I worked, you know, 16 hours a week, but it was just enough to like get me out of the house and feel useful. But I was still just struggling. My mental health was not good. I but I put on a really great front. Like I wore this mask that everyone thought I was happy. Everyone thought I had it all together. I have these beautiful kids. You know, I'm clearly I've, I've got it all figured out. And um, I remember I, I just struggling and struggling and struggling. And to the point where like my, my now ex-husband, who was working full time, um, I uh, I would have him help me with getting the kids ready and to school in the morning because some mornings I could not get out of bed. And so um, it was March 3rd, 2016, I was laying in bed. And um, I just remember laying there and thinking, I'm not working tomorrow. So here are all the things that I'm going to do to plan to die tomorrow. I'm going to die tomorrow. Um, I'm going to kill myself. And it was things like, I need to write my children letters 
So they know that like, this isn't their fault and I'm doing this because I love them and they're better off without me. Um, you know, cleaning some things up and getting things, you know, ready for that. I'm not going to be around, um, peace. I thought about, you know, that I was going to get a gun and where I could get one. Um, I thought about the place that I was going to commit suicide so that, um, like I was going to call the police or call 911 and then shoot myself. And I was going to do it at this park in this specific place because not very many people would be there during that time of the day. And if I called 911 first, then either a paramedic or a police officer would find me and they could make the gun, you know, take care of the gun. So no one got it. And I didn't want to do it in my house or my car. So my family didn't have to clean anything up. I mean, this was like, and someone pointed out that like, even when you were planning to die, you were taking care of everyone else's needs. Like you were making sure that no one else would be inconvenient or inconvenienced as little as possible. And um, as I'm laying there and planning this, I hear, I heard a voice and it said, I'm not done with you yet. I don't know who that voice was. Um, I don't think it was, you know, a psychotic break where I'm like, I'm hearing voices because it was just that one sentence of, I'm not done with you yet. And you want to know what okay. I think it was? I would love that. I think it was your higher self. So I think your higher self is like this big old huge soul, right? And we have pieces of that soul doing different lives and different things mm -hmm. at the same time. And and it's always that voice. I always say people are like, well, what do your angels and guides sound like in your head? And I said, it's always really calm. It's always coming from a loving place, but it may not make sense what they're saying. And I didn't understand, right? I just knew that this voice said, <laughs> not like, I mean, what I heard was you've got to stay here. That's what I heard. Yeah. And um, I ended up, I called a friend of mine who's a therapist and uh, was like, I need help. And she referred me to a therapist and about the same age, my mom had had a suicide attempt. And so I was like, well, maybe it's a hormonal thing. You know, I'm just, I need answers. Um, and I didn't have an OBGYN at the time because I had, was done having kids. My um, youngest was seven. So, you know, like I just went and saw my regular doctor um, and I asked a few friends for recommendations. And my friend that was a therapist, she referred me to a therapist that she thought would be good for me and a psychiatrist. And so this was a Thursday. I called, um, I called the therapist first and got her voicemail. I'm sure she was, you know, in a session or, or whatever, and I left a message. And then I called the OBGYN that my friend suggested. And when she answered the office manager receptionist answered, she goes, Oh yeah, well, we don't have any new patient appointments until May. And this is the first of March. So this is like two months. And she goes, the other line's ringing. I'm going to put you on hold for just a second. 
and I'll be right back. We can get all your information and get you scheduled. And she comes back on the phone and she goes, well, that was someone that just canceled their new patient appointment for Monday at two o'clock. You know it. like that? I knew it. <laughs> like, well, yes, yes, I would. And then I called the psychiatrist and the uh, receptionist answers and uh, like, I would be a new patient. I need to get in. This is what's going on. And uh, she was like, well, you know, right now I don't think we have any new patient appointments for like six or eight weeks, uh, but let me double check. She was like, I just looked on Friday and I don't think we have anything. I was like, all right. And um, I end up, you know, I'm on hold and I'm waiting and she comes back and she was like, actually, I forgot Friday, right before I left, someone canceled their nine o'clock Monday appointment. That was a new patient appointment. Would you like that, that appointment? Yes. Yes, I would. And then the therapist called me back and said, I had a cancellation for Monday at 11. Would you like to take that? And then we can get you into a regularly, you know, a regular scheduled appointment um, that'll be yours. And I don't know, like it was, it was like the universe was just like, we told you we're not done with you and we are gonna make sure that all of the things you need are lined up just the right way. Right, and then you had decided that to listen to the voice and take some action. And so the universe responds to the action by helping you get that done. And, and I think that that's, you know, take a step away from the, the journey, but I think so often we don't listen to the universe, that higher power, that voice, whatever it is, because we don't like what it says, or we don't think that it's real or you know, whatever it is. So now it's like when I hear those voices, so to speak, or I get that nudge that like, this is what you should be doing. Sometimes I fight it because it's easier. <laughs> um, but when I don't, amazing things come from it. And so that's, you know, I want to encourage people to like, remember, there's a reason that you're hearing that voice. You're, there's a reason that mm -hmm. it's there. Um, and, and so all of these things lined up just right. But I wasn't feeling super hopeful about getting on medication and getting long-term relief from all of the symptoms because this is now 21 years of trying to find answers in my sixth psychiatrist. Um, and I had so many times just wanted to give up and just, I, I you know, I can't, can't do this anymore. And I went into this psychiatrist office and I mean, he's former um, army psychiatrist, like older, older guy, totally not who I thought I would be a, like, a you know, would be a good fit for me. And he listened to my story and we talked, you know, about my symptoms and all of that. And he said, okay, well, you have bipolar too. And I said, no, I don't. That's not what I have. And he was like, oh, no, it is. Because in my brain, like the way I thought was bipolar was bad. Like that was like, if you had bipolar, then you were really messed up. Um, You know, it was like 
schizophrenia was the worst and then bipolar and then, you know, all the things after that. Um, and this is, you know, I have a master's in psychology. I like, and I really tend to not, like I work hard not to judge anything is better or worse than something else. But for me, I did not want bipolar. Like there was a stigma there and I didn't want it. Um, and this man, I will never forget. He picked up the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which has all the diagnostic criteria for, for every mental illness out there. And he opens this book and he sits down next to me and he starts going item by item and why this is the diagnosis he's giving me. And as he's doing that, I'm like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, it makes sense that nothing worked before because if I was being treated for the wrong illness, then well, it makes sense that it wasn't, it was working short-term, but not long-term. So I got on medication um, and almost immediately I felt like a different person but I still hid it from most people. I didn't want anyone to know. Um, and I still played that like perfect mom, PTA president, right? Like I've got it all together. I'm, I'm doing all the things. Um, and the thing is, is like, that's not, that wasn't good for me um, to hide that. And I did for so long because I think so many of us um, I don't want to say this the right way. Like so many of us hide who we are if it's not picture perfect, right? Like we want the world to see us, you know, what is it like? I always want to say keeping up with the Kardashians, but it's what keeping up with the Joneses. I don't know why this mm -hmm. is reality television, but, you know, especially in the age of social media, we have to look this way. These are the things that we have to see. Right. And um, I hate that. Like, I hate that we have to, we believe we have to look a certain way and our house has to be a certain size and we have to drive a car and have our 2.5 kids and our dog and our, and so I wanted to be that person. And all of a sudden I realized that that voice said, I'm not done with you yet. And I started thinking, well, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And I'm still not 100% sure exactly what that is. And that's all right. Um, but what I've started doing a lot is I'm loud about mental health. I'm loud about access to care. Um, and because the thing about it is, like there's mental illness and that is very real. And, you know, about 20% of the population or one in five people have a diagnosed mental illness. About 5% of the population has what they call a serious mental illness. And those are the, it gets in the way of your daily function, which is what I have. Um, and yet we don't talk about it and we don't have the support system for it. And I have been, you know, like you said, I, I've started this podcast recently, which I've really dug into some of the numbers because I find them, I'm a numbers person. I like, I like them. I think they tell us a lot. 
And recently I discovered that according to the US government, which like that's, I mean, these numbers are ridiculous, but we only are meeting 27% of the needs of our population when it comes to mental health treatment. And here's what's wild is they say that the, like how we know we have fully met our needs to care for our um, citizens population mental health is for every 3,000, I mean, I'm sorry, every 30,000 people of the population, um, we need one psychiatrist. One psychiatrist for 30,000 people and one therapist for 9,000 people. That's appalling to me that those are the numbers when you consider one in five people have a mental illness. And we're not even counting like the people that just need some help dealing with stress of everyday living or, you know, want to improve their relationships. So they want to go to couples counseling. Um, and so, but I mean, beyond that too, in this research, like 38% of our dental, like we only have 38% of dental providers that we need. I think 47% of medical providers. And so it's like, we're not doing enough for our people when it comes to their wellness, because right, like your physical health is impacted by your mental health and your dental health impacts your physical health, right? Like when your teeth, like if you're in pain because you have infections, also having like extra plaque on your teeth means that you're more likely to have a heart attack. So, and mental health, you're more likely to have um, a heart attack or high blood pressure. People with um, bipolar on average have um, their lifespan is 25 years shorter than the average population, in large part due to suicide. But there are other, you know, stressors and, you know, gut health and inflammation that comes from like that high level of your emotions, right? Like our emotions impact so much of us. And I, I'm a coach also, and I work around energy with people. And I think that the energy that we put off is, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts everyone we come into contact with. And I would argue every single person in the world, like, you know, like energy yeah. can't be created or destroyed. <laughs> I think energy can go, you know, through everything. Like it might bounce off something a little bit, but, you know, you and I are connect. We may be, you know, 1500 miles apart, but we are energetically connected. And so when my energy is off, it may not make all of your energy off, but it's, you know, the world is off just enough. And so when we're not caring for our whole selves, the whole energy of the world yeah. is off. Hey, and this is something I, I like to think about big topics like this, like where we're going as a society or as a civilization or as a planet. And I think when we used to live in smaller communities, like tribal communities, 
we took care of all these problems. We had the herbal healer. We had the medicine man or woman. We had the elders. We had the chiefs and the chiefesses. We had the priests and the priestesses. And they would figure out how to support the people that needed the support. And here's the thing. I think we're going to go back to that because we've outsourced everything. It's like we gave all our power away and we're going to get to the point where we're like, this is not working for us. We can't do this anymore. We have to focus in on our community and helping each other, the people that and, live around us. And that is, you know, cause I think about like when, like my kids elementary school and, and granted they're not, you know, they're in middle school and high school now, but I used to spend a lot of time at the elementary school because those were the people in my community. And I wanted to impact change with those kids because the kids that I was working with in kindergarten, for example, that lived in my community um, who were struggling with reading. Well, for me, if I could get those kids to read on grade level, that helps all of us in this community because then they're more prepared to be adults and to be you know members of my community that provide something um and i think you know too there's this when we when we lived in those communities in those smaller groups i think when we were more connected to people and I, you know, I'm sure that there's this argument, like we're, we are so surfacely connected right now. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, you know, I see, you know, you see what people want you to see and we all can get on social media. We can, um, we have these ideas of how other people live. And I think that, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. When I see someone on social media who shows like look at my beautifully perfect house that's always clean and this incredible meal that I made for my kids and look they ate all of it even though it was you know they ate their steamed broccoli without anything on it and without complaint so what am I doing wrong that like I can't get my kids to do those things or like there's dirty dishes in my sink like am I failing as a human and I will remember, I, I remember my, I have a good friend, we've been friends for well, um, almost 40 years now. And she had posted something, this was several years ago on Instagram. And it was like her journal and her coffee and her green juice. And it's like a oh, perfect, you know, Friday morning meditation before I take the kids to school. And it looked perfect. And we were FaceTiming later after she dropped her kids off. And I was like, how do you have it so together? Like you have a kindergartner and a third grader and you work from home, your husband works from home. Like how, what, what is your secret? And she was like, my secret is this. And she flips the camera around and in her kitchen, you know, there was a two foot space of the kitchen counter that had been cleared off and that's where she had staged this photo. But the rest of the counter was, you know, covered in kids cups and cookbooks and school papers. And so 
when we think like, oh, that's what, like that, that picture, that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but you miss all the rest of the, the stuff on the outside of the picture that's not shown, we think, oh, well, I'm not good enough. And when we were in those smaller communities, we saw it all, right? Like you can't, right. like if if you're all living in one, you know, big community where everyone can look in your door because there's no locks. And look into you your hide, kitchen. <laughs> yeah, like you can't hide those things. Yeah. And you then know what's normal, right? And And, and so I think this whole like surface level connection when it comes to um right the social media or i mean really social media like i have a love-hate relationship with social media i love that i can see and connect with people and also i have to be very careful about is this is this real or is this what this person wants me to believe about them. Yeah. The and good so news, the good I news is I think a lot of people are being more authentic on social media. Like mm-hmm. I don't follow perfect people. I follow people who are being honest about their struggles right. and they're putting it out there. And that's what I love about social mm-hmm. media. But I will tell you, I think social media is going to die. And I tell you why, because we're realizing that what was, what could have been really positive connecting people all over the planet has turned into, again, some way to make money off of advertising and influence and what we see and hear. Um, And I think people are going to get to the point where you're like, no, what, you know what, I don't want to do this. And again, we're going to go back to the old fashioned way of communities where we actually talked to each other face to face and got to know each other. And I, and I think when we do that, um, you know, like you said, you don't follow perfect people. I'm, I want people to think that I have my stuff all together. And the reason is I don't, no, I don't put all of my stuff out there, right? Like me neither. Because I'm it's private. Not, I'm a private person. I don't think you should. But yeah. um, one thing I do put a, out there a lot is about my mental health and what that looks like for me and how like my struggles and resources and things like that, because I believe that there is value there. Now there's not value in me saying, oh my gosh, my 15 year old daughter was being a 15 year old and talked back to me like no one I mean no one needs to know that um but if I'm here saying you know this is what my mental health journey looks like and this is how I found help and there's help for you too I hope that that means that somebody will get the help that they desperately need because I thought like, I, you know, I thought the world was going to be better off without me here. Um, and I think back, you know, over these last, what, six and a half years or so, um, how many people I've interacted with, how many 
lives I have um, touched in some way. And I'm not saying that like I have made a huge impact on them. Um, however, I'm a big believer in that like ripple effect that, or the butterfly, whatever you want to call it, butterfly effect, ripple effect, that what I do impacts everyone else. And if I'm not here to put my like stuff into the world and impact it, then the world isn't complete. And I think that that's true for every one of us, that we are all here for a reason. And it may not be glaringly obvious to any of us, but even if it's simply the, um, you know, I remember hearing a story of like, somebody dropped their books on their way home from school, somebody helped them pick them up. And that was what prevented the person that dropped their books from committing suicide that day. I don't, I, I don't know if it's a real story or not, but that smile at someone at the grocery store or holding the door open for somebody, it may shift their day just enough that something like it shifts how they interact with someone, which then changes, right? Because if I smile at you when I am walking down the aisle at the grocery store, you might smile at someone else and that person might open the door for someone and then the person that had their door open for them might the highway. And because that person let that person in on the highway, there wasn't an accident because you know, of this trying to get on. Yeah. We don't know. And so mm -hmm. I think being authentic about the big things and being kind, excuse me, um, and, and loving people. Now, you don't have to like everyone. You don't have to agree with everyone. But I believe that that we should... And I, I don't always love the word should, but I believe that it benefits all of us when we love and when yeah. we experience the world with love. Yeah, I think we're not taught the that we are born here for a reason. We chose to be here for a reason. We're with the family that we have for a reason. Nothing is random. Everything's probably planned out. You know, and so, yes, you are here for a reason. And that ripple effect that you're talking about, that that's the um, magic of helping others. You don't even know, know how far you reach people when you help someone. And, you know, I think so it it's, was this past March. Um, March of 2022, um, one of my dear friend's husbands committed suicide. Uh, and it hit our community pretty hard because he was, you know, that personality that was larger than life. He was um, six kids. That, they're just amazing children, um, young adults, some of them now. Um, and his loss, like the, the loss of him was so big, if you will. Um, 
that, and, and it's just had this huge ripple effect. Like his children are struggling with some things now. His wife, um, my friend is struggling because this person that they thought was their rock is gone and they didn't realize how much he was struggling internally, which is why I talk about my mental health and why I encourage others to, and to not hide all of that because the, the evil comes out in the darkness, right? The, or however you want to call it, like when we don't, light is so important. And I always talk about with, with, with people like that shining your light doesn't mean you're dimming someone else's. When you shine your light bright, it means you're highlighting and lighting the path for others to find like their light, to find, you know, the wood that they need, the fuel they need to light their fire bright. And so there's like light is, or that energy is everywhere and we've got to highlight it and we have to bring awareness to it. And so when, you know, when this friend of mine killed himself, so many of us were like, oh, but he was so happy. He was all of these things. And on one hand, there's part of me that's like, I'm grateful that people saw him that way and then realized that there was so much going on under the surface that we didn't see. And in the same you know, moment, I'm so angry with him for not talking about it and not getting help and leaving his children and his wife and his friends. And it's why did you not ask for help? And then you were such an asshole for taking you away from all of us because we all need you. We needed you. Your kids needed you. Your community needed you. And you know, when you go when you talked about that going back to those smaller communities, I wonder like, would we have been more aware of what was going on if we were more connected in that one-on-one -on -one space instead of through social media and texting? I love texting for a quick, you know, interaction. Um, but it's it's just not the same. And it's funny, I, I've been dating someone for a few months now, um, which again, it's, it was a weird universe thing. Um, he's not a texter, but we talk on the phone. And I'm fascinated. It's been interesting noticing the difference in how I've connected with him um, on a relationship level and an emotional level, because you can't hide when you're talking. Like you can hear the intonation and you understand people better because I could be snarky and you know sarcastic in a text but there's not a sarcastic font right mm -hmm. so someone may not realize that that's just me being you know sarcastic but if you hear it in my voice then you know okay well she was being sarcastic um 
And also though it frustrates me, like, I'm like, I want, I want you to text me during the day. Like I can't always talk, but I want to like have that, you know, little bit of interaction with you. Um, but, you know, just like with the universe saying, here, I'm going to let have all of these mental health professionals that are exactly who you need to be available for you. I'm going to make sure you hear this voice that says, I'm not done with you yet. Um, this man that I'm dating, we so funny, we met on Tinder. Um, and because he values connections so much, I was going to visit a friend of mine. So he didn't contact me during those four days that I was with my friend because he wanted me to be with my friend in, in that moment. And I thought he wasn't interested in dating me, but he had my, my phone number, but I unmatched him on Tinder. And he sent me a message. He's like, well, let's go, you know, you're back. Hope you had a great trip. Like, let's go grab a drink. And he was like, oh, never mind. I see you unmatched me. And I was like, no, let's let's go have that drink. And that date lasted from 6 p.m. until 2.30 a.m. And a few days later, I realized I, I led the Bible study for our youth group at church. And a few days after we went on that first date, I realized that his son had been in that Bible study with me, but had been coming with a friend. So I hadn't met the parents, like the parents didn't go to our church. Um, and that like he and I had connections and there were all of these like almost meetings and almost, you know, times that we would have connected, but it wasn't until both of us were single and both of us were in a place that we were ready for a relationship that we met. And it's, I, I didn't trust it at first. I was like, really like this guy, but maybe it's, you know, just my imagination. Cause I want to like someone, I want to feel this way. And, uh, one of my best friends, I just adore her. She was like, well, you know, as Taylor Swift would say, is the high worth the pain? Like, are you willing to put all you have in here and feel all of this, knowing that you're risking the potential to be hurt later? Do you really want to risk missing out on what the universe is putting in front of you because you're afraid you might get hurt? And I was like, well, no, I don't know. I, I think I want this. And, um, you know, it's it hasn't been that long, but I, I know that he treats me well and he's what... Um, He's what I need in a relationship right now. But it's also funny because on paper, right? Like we shouldn't be a match. We're so opposite. And maybe that's what makes it work well is that we have different viewpoints, but we communicate and we talk, which is where that talking versus texting yeah. really comes into play. Um, and what's we found is with real discussion versus, um, you know, like instead of, instead of just saying I'm right, you're wrong and not opening that conversation. Um, when you do that, you miss out on so much. Um, 
And, you know, like I, I love when people have opinions and I think that we all have opinions and there are reasons for those and our opinions come from our backgrounds and our values and all of those things. But I tell my kids that opinions are like guns. They're only, um, they're only effective if they're loaded. And when I say that, I mean, and not that I'm a huge gun fan, but if you don't have anything behind your opinion, you don't have a, well, this is why I believe this. No one's going to listen to you. And if you're also not willing to question things and listen to someone else's viewpoint, I'm not saying you have to agree with them. I'm not saying you even have to change your mind. But understanding where other people come from helps make the world, in your world in particular, a more colorful and interesting place because you get to see more. Um, and so, you know, I just, like I said, I share about my mental health very openly. And that's why I started this podcast is because I don't think that we're talking enough about mental health um, because I want people to feel connected. Even if that is just through, you know, a screen or their speakers or whatever, when they hear someone's story, um, because that's the thing is, I think, you know, with, like I said, you know, we're surfacely connected, but we don't really know people's whole stories and we're not intimately connected with people. And that often means we feel alone because we don't realize that others are going through the same things that we're going through. Like with my daughter, I genuinely thought that there were not other moms out there that were struggling like I was. And then I started talking well after the fact to other moms. And they were like, oh yeah, I remember feeling that way. Or I remember, you know, how hard it was in those first few weeks. And I thought I knew exactly what I was doing. Or, you know, I I try like I breastfed both of my children. But I thought that it was going to be so easy because it was just what you were supposed to do. No one told me that that was going to be one of the hardest parts of the first year of parenting and that it was painful and it was difficult and you were tired. And if you were, you know, because my kids were exclusively breastfed in the beginning, and I'm glad they were, um, but then you're the only person that can feed your baby. And so you don't get a break. And no one told me that. And no one, like, I didn't think about those things. And now it's like, I tell people, I don't tell people like, oh my gosh, I had this C-section and I had all these complications and it was awful. But I do say like, things aren't going to go exactly as you think they are. No, you're not alone. I'm here if you want to talk or talk to these other people. But like, breastfeeding's hard, but bottle feeding is hard too. And C-sections are hard and vaginal births are hard. Like, and we're all different and we're all going to react differently as parents, as humans in this world. We, and we should, you know what? You should have an episode on mommy's mental health after having a baby because 
I was the same way. Like I thought, oh, I'm going to exclusively breastfeed. It's all going to be good. And then guess what? My baby wouldn't latch on right. And so then I was like, oh, well, I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with her. And then I'm feeling a lot of pain too. And I was like, why is this painful? And why am I looking at other mommies breastfeeding? And it seemed, it looks so easy. And, and after a lot of trial and error, <laughs> I found out that I had Raynaud's and Raynaud's make breastfeeding hurt. And that's why it hurt. It's with my daughter, I struggled and struggled and struggled to get her to latch. And um, finally, a friend of mine was like, I think you might have, and this is a lot of information for, for the listeners, but that's fine. That's I think okay. you might have inverted, Put it out there. <laughs> she's like, I think you might have inverted nipples. Have you tried a nipple shield that will, you know, like basically create a better nipple for your baby to, you know, latch to? And I tried that and quite literally within seconds, I was like, and this is easier. Like, doesn't mm -hmm. hurt. She's mm -hmm. getting fed. She's latched well. And when my son was born, I brought those nipple shields with me to the hospital. And from the beginning, I used them. But one of the lactation consultants came in and told me that I shouldn't use those and that I should do it this way. And this was going to cause problems for him long-term. And I looked at her and I said, I her and I said, when you're breastfeeding your child with my breasts, then we can have a conversation. Yeah. So angry because I knew that this had worked with my daughter and it made my life easier. It made her life easier. She was getting fed. Um, and so it's, you know, it goes back to, I don't, she didn't know my story. She didn't know why I had made this choice. And, and what there does was it judgment. matter? If it works, it works. If it made it better, it made it better. And if, you know, we all think we know what's best because what works for us, well, that surely is going to be what works for you. Well, no, I mean, I know that like the medication that I'm on for my bipolar works for me. It's not going to work for everyone. And that's fine. I mean, it really is. It's, I mean, fine, if you will, that, and I know there are people that have recovered from things like, you know, bipolar. I don't think most people do. I do think that they tend to be lifelong illnesses. And I think when we dismiss people, like that lactation consultant dismissed my knowledge of how to best feed my baby. Mm -hmm. I remember being at a church where somebody told me, well, you know, I think God will heal you if you just pray more. Oh, I was like, um, no, that's not how this works. I've prayed. I prayed for years that I would be healed. And I would argue that God healed me by putting me in front of the doctor that gave me the correct diagnosis and that God helped heal me by giving people the knowledge and the technology to create the medication that works for me. 
Now, that doesn't mean that right, God created that medication for only me or that God didn't help create medications for other people. But it's this idea of like, well, there's only this one right way or you're weak if you need medication, you're weak if you can't do this all on your own. Or are you weak if you say, I don't need help? Is there, I think there's so much strength that comes from, I can't do this by myself. I need, I need your help. Cause it's so hard to ask for help because we don't want to be seen as weak. We don't want people to think we don't have it all together. And, and so I'm so, so grateful that, you know, people like you exist to open up those conversations about the weird stuff that goes on and the trauma that we experience and, and how like it's really the universe setting all of us up for success and that we have to listen to that. And I know you said that, you know, the voice was, you know, my higher self. I think, you know, some might have called it the Holy Spirit or the universe or God. And I think it doesn't matter what we call it. The reality is, is that something bigger than me said, you need to be here. Yeah. At the right and, time, at the right moment that you needed to hear it. So it, yeah, it really is all the same thing, but mm -hmm. it, it was a voice that you came in at the right time. So you listened to it. Thank God you listened. I just think like, what, what would I like, what would my kids have missed out on? with me, you know, if I was gone, what would my community have missed out on and what I would have missed out on? You know, like I, I got to, you know, my daughter is learning how to drive right now and I got to take her driving for the first time. She was terrible, but we laughed hysterically through all of it and had so much fun because I show up in the world in a different place now. It's look for the opportunity and the joy as opposed to the fear and the anxiety and the what ifs. Because when we focus on the, what if this goes wrong? What if it's not perfect? And we don't try, we don't live our full life authentically we miss out on things, but, but so does the world. And like I talked about, you know, we're, we're all here for a reason. And so I just want, like, I want people to leave, you know, this when they're done listening, realizing that they are beautifully made by the universe, exactly the way that they are supposed to be made and exactly as they are supposed to be. And to find what makes you special. Don't look at, you know, Betty Sue on Instagram and well, that's what she does. So that's what I should do. No, what, what do you love? What is your message that you want to put into the world? What makes you special? Because maybe it's like you make the best 
spaghetti sauce in the world. And like you are made to share that at every potluck you go to and it brings people joy. Or maybe you're an amazing author and a writer and you are meant to write that book or that blog or whatever to impact people's lives. Maybe you're just meant to be like the best dog mom in the world. And when you walk your dog, everyone sees that precious puppy and smiles and we don't know. And again, it doesn't have to be big. And I think that when you think like your impact has to be world changing in that sense of, well, I'm going to write a bestseller or I'm going to be on television and, you know, or I'm going to save someone's life by, you know, running into a burning building. Yeah, those are great things. But let's not forget all the little things that have to happen to make the people that do those things who they are and in those places that they are. Um, and, and so it doesn't have to be big things that, that are life-changing because, you know, I, for me, for example, I've had one, I've talked a lot about my mental health and I've only had one person reach out to me directly and say, because of you, I started like down this path of healing. Well, even if it is that one person and that's it that I impacted. Here's the thing is it's not that one person. If that one person is still here, then their family is impacted and their friends and their community. And then all of those people that have been impacted are impacting others. And, and so don't think you're tiny because you don't do something big. You are part of this beautiful world and we need every player to make all the things happen. And so it's this, you know, I talk about my mental health because I hope that it, you know, helps someone else. But whatever it is that you are supposed to do, listen and pay attention. Um, because sometimes it's a really quiet voice. I think it keeps getting louder and louder and louder until you hear it. And when you hear it, it's probably the right time. But still listen and see what the universe is calling out for you to do. Um, because the universe, Holy Spirit, higher self, whatever, said, I'm not done with you yet. And if I had listened, that one person who got help because I posted on Facebook about it and I talked openly about it, like that one person's life was changed and therefore hundreds of other lives were changed, probably thousands, maybe even a million, if you like, you know, all the way out. And um, if that's what my purpose was by listening to that voice, I will take it. And if that's all it is, great. I certainly hope it's more than that. Um, and I certainly hope that by talking about this and people understanding how, you know, mental health impacts the kindergartner at the elementary school, just as much as the homeless person on the corner and the mom who's trying to figure it all out. And heck, even someone like, you know, Jeff Bezos, right? He's not perfectly mentally healthy just because he has a whole lot of money. Like 
it's so much more than that. And I think we all need to be part of this conversation about how do we make this world a better place for all of us. And I feel like you're opening up those conversations here too. And so I'm grateful for that and that you've given me a place to share a little bit about myself and my story and what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point is we need to share our weirdest, craziest stories that the ones we're scared of sharing. And those are the ones that people need to hear because they may have a similar experience or, you know, it's going to impact them in some way. And so if you just, like you said, if you impact this one person, that person is not in a bubble. That person has a family. They have ancestors. They have descendants. They have a community, you know? So it's worth it. Completely worth it. I remember on 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 Facebook, like I post a lot of kind of uplifting spiritual stuff. And once in a while, like I'd get discouraged because nobody's commenting, nobody's liking. It's like, is this reaching anybody? And then I had one of my elementary school classmates message me and she said, Tina, I just want you to know that I've been following everything that you've been posting. And I find it really inspiring what you do and what you're saying. And I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, Oh my God, I had no idea she was paying attention. And I think there's so many people that are paying attention. And that goes back to your, you know, communities are going to go back to being smaller and more intimate. And if you were in a smaller, more intimate, intimate community, you would understand your impact more because it's in your face, right? right? Like you're, you're seeing the people that you're impacting. And so, but the beauty of Facebook is that she was inspired by you, but you didn't get to see it. So Mm -hmm. then you're over there like, oh, why am I doing this? But I feel like it's what I'm (laughs) supposed to do because like the world needs this, right? And so it goes back to just do what you love, do what you think is the next right thing for you and for the world. And I just don't think you can go wrong. Right. And if you enjoy it, do it. I mean, I do this podcast because I enjoy it. And it might change. I think it's going to change. I might start a different one. But anyway, now I have all this experience and I've met 110 people I would have normally met through the podcast. And, you know, and like hearing you say that when I, you know, told you, I, I just very recently started this podcast. I planned, like I came up with this idea and wanted to start it almost a year ago. And I'm stuck in fear in this, like, it has to be perfect and I don't know how to do it. And finally, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to give it a shot. See what happens. And sometimes that's all we need to do is just, just going to go for it. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. And you know what? It wasn't that hard. It was like pretty easy. And with the way that technology is now, you know, maybe 10 years ago, starting a podcast would have been a lot more difficult, but now it's, you know, there's so many ways to do it. There's so many platforms out there to help you and people that know what they're doing. 
And so whether, I mean, whether you want to start a podcast or write a blog or just talk to the people in your world, you know, that you see or post on Facebook, whatever it is, use your voice Mm -hmm. because it's there for a reason. And um, so don't hide because you think you might be judged or you're afraid or or whatever that may be. Um, I just really want people to, you know, in the end, really love their world and love themselves and what makes them unique and special. Stop with the comparison, stop with the, this is what I should be doing and focus on what do you love? Where do you think that you can impact the world and impart change and go from there? And and, and give it, yourself permission to change your mind. That's a huge thing. Um, and one of my favorite books is Conversations with God. And in the book, God tells uh, the author, he says, you have the right to change your mind at every second of every day. And when I read those words, I breathed a huge sigh of relief because I change my mind all the time. And I think we change our minds because we have more knowledge and we have more like we're changing and evolving. Yeah. And and I would also say, don't be afraid of failure. Because one, like what, what is failure? Like really? Right. Um, and what do you learn along the way? What, how much growth are you like part of for yourself and for others? Um, so like being perfect and be and being afraid of failure, you're never going to start. If you think it's got to be perfect, or I can't do this because I might fail, you're never going to do anything. So just do it. Yeah. What I mean, you think I, is Nike? A, if that sounded, <laughs> what you think is a failure might look as people. Other people would look as successful. And I there's a when I went through coach training one of the things that we were taught was you cannot make a mistake. Now mistakes can be made, but you don't make like when you are making that decision, it is not a mistake because you were making a choice based on all the information that you have. Yes. And if a mistake was made, you learn from that. Like every opportunity, like everything is an opportunity and a chance to learn and focusing on that that it's always, there's always something to learn and to grow from. That's where the beauty comes from because, you know, I, the first time I wrote on Facebook about my mental health was terrified. And I was like, there's going to be so much judgment. And I was met with so much love and grace and respect. And so Um, I think that's just it. Like, just go do the thing, go trust the universe to, or your higher self, whatever that voice you're hearing, it's telling you something for a reason. Yeah. It's not about success or failure. It's about experience. It's all it is. and, And our experiences help other people with their experiences. 
because we're all connected, like this energy in the world is all connected. And so, yeah, like go experience the world, listen to those voices telling you that you're amazing and can do amazing things and believe them and go do the thing. And you're not going to fail. You're going to learn, you're going to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and you have more information. And then the next thing you use that new information and knowledge to do even more amazing things. That's right. So can you share with us, Amanda, um, where people can find your podcast and where they can contact you? Um, yeah, the easiest place to find all of that is thementalsociety.com. There's, um, now you can find the podcast on all the podcast places, but um, there's a place to contact me um, on thementalsociety.com. There's also a ton of resources. Um, there's blogs about my story um, and other people's stories. And uh, just, I'm hoping that it'll be a really great place and a tool that people can go to and, and find um, the resources and the information that they need to make themselves um, and their communities a little richer. So yeah, just check that out, thementalsociety.com. Yeah, amazing. So, so needed too. So thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing your story um, on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218 or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.